and welcome back to episode 105 of the Weekly Tech Ramp with me, Jay. And me, Carl. So let's hope tonight's recording goes well. Hopefully, uh, what we uploaded last week managed to get itself out from the podcast oven to the airwaves. I'm, I'm, I'm confident it did, despite uh, some, some technical hitches which were beyond our control. <laughs> but uh, this week, I think we've killed all the gremlins and uh, we should crossed. be good to go. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> So last week's show was a full-on. Well, I I, I want to think of it as a kind of anti-compli anti uh, well breach compliance. You name it, wasn't it? Stories last yep. week. There was a lot, a lot of naughtiness. There was a lot of naughtiness, and some of it continues. The Optus breach, particular, <laughs> uh, is still rumbling on, isn't it? That's yeah, uh, it is not being a good place to be at the moment if you're over in Australia. Well, this week, as promised, we are bringing you the latest updates on the NVIDIA 40 series launch and the news that's come out around the 4090, as well as improvements on the ray tracing and DLSS. I'm not even going to try and explain what that stands for right now, but we'll talk about that <laughs> in a minute. Um, we're also going to talk about Meta. Of course, we love a bit of Meta on this show. We do. We're going to talk about the UK competition, but it's not who you think it is. Uh, and... Sci Five, who we spoke about last week uh, we randomly, uh, now <laughs> we've got a story this week about Risk Five, and we've got a bit of the rumor mill has returned, it makes its uh, well-deserved return this week as well. But before we get into the Nvidia stuff, I thought it was a good idea, as mentioned, to talk about some of the new Apple kit that we've picked up in the last couple of weeks. So, Carl, yes. do you want to kick us off and tell us about your lovely shiny iPhone 14 Pro Max? I did. Yes, I bought a Pro Max uh, in. Deep purple. I must admit, it's very, very nice. It's one of those ones that kind of changes colour depending on the light. Sometimes it can look almost grey at the angle, and sometimes a deep purple. So deep purple. I, I'm, yeah, I, I'm loving it. I, yeah, I'm not sure deep purple is the name for it, but it's what Apple's gone with. I, I do like the colour. Uh, obviously, I've come from what a 12 Pro Max, haven't I? So uh, you have cameras. Yep. Nice upgrade, uh, especially the macro mode. But obviously, that actually came out on the 13 Pro and not the 14. So that's last year's tech I missed. Uh, I had a chance to play with action mode earlier. I chased the kids around the garden with a camera, and it did come out silky smooth. Is so, that the uh, cinematic mode? No, that's the uh, that's the one where it does the image stabilization. So if you're running around and it's all uh, bumpy and that lot, you should get a nice silky smooth uh, video. Uh, okay. Oh, is that the, without, oh, that's right. That's the bit without the gimbal, isn't it? Yes, exactly. Uh, yep, seemed to work very, very well. Uh, impressed. Uh, I have had a quick play of action mode while I was in the pub. Um, <laughs> I, I, just, I just wanted to... Not action mode, sorry. Uh, the... What was the one where you can change the cinematic. focus on the... Cinematic, yeah. I did it and I, you know, it seemed to very smoothly you know, change the focus from one one person to the other. Yeah, happy with that. Um, Dynamic Island is a a bit of a disappointment for me at the moment. It looked very, very good in the Apple event. And I definitely think it's got promise. Uh, it just needs more developers to actually use it. I mean, because I think the way I use my phone at the moment, I'm not really seeing it at all. You know, when, when I listen to music, which is one of those obvious ones, uh, I generally listen to music in the car. So my phone's in the train, I'm using CarPlay. So I don't see it then. Um, well, when you showed me it the other day, um, yeah. and you, I, I couldn't seem to, you, you, like you say, there wasn't, didn't seem to be there, did it? it? You know, it wasn't as prominent as I think the video showed it to be when they launched it. I think, as you say, more yeah. apps need to support it going forward. Definitely, definitely. Um, battery life definitely seems to be better than my twelve, uh, but mind you, my twelve's two years old, so it's the battery's going to suffer. And from what I'm reading online at the moment, it seems to be a bit of a downgrade from the Pro Max, or the thirteen Pro Max. Whether that's iOS 16 issues or something else, I don't know. 
Interesting. Interesting. I have to say, I mean, you know, as I'm as I'm still rocking the Pro Max, you know, um, yeah. battery life has become something of an issue. It does last the whole day, but it is certainly dropping. My battery, I think, when we looked before, was around ninety one percent health at the minute yeah. after two years, which I suppose isn't too bad given given it, isn't it? Um, oh, exactly. But you know, this morning I've been out today. Uh, I took it off charge at six fifteen this morning. And I had to put it back on charge uh, at six o'clock this evening. Uh, otherwise, wow. I wasn't going to get <laughs> I wasn't going to get any any use out of it this evening, as I needed to take it, some pictures of my kids for things. So yeah. I had to put it back on charge. Um, but you know, that all being said, I guess you're right. Battery life improvement with the the 14 is something that I'm looking forward to seeing as well. So yeah, that's good to hear. Definitely. I think to sum it up, it's an iPhone. Um, I could it's probably have done an. Is it? Yeah, it's an iPhone. It's not revolutionary. It's evolutionary. Uh, I could have probably stuck with the 12 Pro Max, uh, short of the battery life problems, uh, you know, for another year. Uh, there's, there's, there's nothing stand out as an upgrade, uh, if you know what I mean. Uh, yeah, I think I know what you say. Would you agree though that skipping, uh, skipping the year was a good idea? Yeah, I think definitely, because uh, I definitely appreciate all the new camera bits. I use my camera a lot. I know, uh, you know the. Um, uh, the macro and the cinematic mode came on the 13 Pro. I think yeah. they're improved on the 14, but uh, I'd never seen them in, in use before at all. Uh, they're pretty pretty good. Uh, my wife's got a 13 Pro Max. She didn't even know it had a macro mode until I showed her the other day, and now she's using it for everything. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, oh, I did not realize that was there. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> lots of macro photos. I, I do think, though, skipping the year is probably, you know, uh, it's probably the right thing to have done. Uh, my worry, mm. though, is next year with the 15, we could see an more of an evolutionary jump in design. Yeah. Especially if we, you know, the rumors around moving to USB-C are there, which will be a frustration if they do. But I'm looking forward to the 14. And given, you know, the positive yeah. things you've said about it, you know, especially the color. I'll be honest with you. The color looks good. I do good. like the color. Though if it had it in product red. <laughs> uh, if only. We're talking product red. So that's a probably a good segue there, Carl. Nice one. Uh, so I have in front of me here a Watch Series 8 product red. 45 millimeter, uh, GPS only, not uh, not cellular as well. I'll mention why that in this moment, um, which, you know, I have to say is an incremental upgrade on the Series 6 that I had before. I would say that you would probably see a bigger jump from your um, your watch than, than I, I was you know, looking I at my 4 the other day. I caught it in the light. There were so many scratches around the edges on it. I'll say my, my Series 6 was relatively scratched, not to, you know, seriously, I uh, couldn't see the screen, but there was a couple of, you know, good scratches on it mm. um, so after two years of use. Um, but the 45mm here has got noticeably bigger screen resolution, I think, from the 6, whether that's more around perception as opposed to actual screen it certainly feels it um battery life again is 36 hours so you know it's again not massively different uh to the series 7 obviously which let's be honest it's all the same system on the chip anyway isn't it it, underneath? Is, it is yeah um but you know some of the things like the, the the software improvements are mainly the the key features here with watch os 9 so that's where we're seeing the improvements really these temperature tracking is not something that i personally can use at the moment nope. because it's around you know menstrual cycles which uh, not something I'm able to to demonstrate or test, but no. uh, you know, um, you know, in discussions with uh, other people who may find that useful, uh, you know, there was some interest there around you know how that works, and I had a couple of questions actually around oh the security of it, you know, well, you know, yeah. 
given everything around Wade versus Roe in the US and and some applications in there, wasn't it? You know, people were, they were telling civil liberties groups were telling women in US to delete, weren't they? The, 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 those oh, yeah. apps. Um, however, Apple, of course, have made it very clear that the data is encrypted on your phone and your watch and doesn't go anywhere. So that's an interesting point. Um, all being all, you know, it looks nice. I've had a good, I've had a few comments today at work around it. Was that the new watch and you know the product red yeah. styling? It really does stand out. It's a really nice, beautiful metallic red around the casing. And the crown as well looks nice. Comes with the the red sports band, not the loop. Um, but I've put on my own uh, my own previous Nike uh, sort of what they, what oh, they yeah. call it the Velcro one, you know. Yes, that uh, goes yeah. with it, um, which probably doesn't look quite the same. It's a green a green loop, so red and green. But I'll, I'll leave you to that. Your own thoughts on that. <laughs> um, but you know, as watch. But uh, what I should say is, and Carl, I know you know this already. Uh, I did have the Ultra for three days. You did. I so, got to saw uh, it. See it. We went go-karting on a Saturday, didn't we? We and, did. We went go-karting. I, I tested it. Didn't get to test the craft detection, thankfully. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> we did We did indeed take it go-karting. So, yeah. So, on Friday, I made a bit of an impulse purchase around the Watch Ultra. Uh, yeah. I went to my local Apple store. Uh, according to the Apple website, they didn't have any in stock, so I didn't expect to, to have one. But I got a chance to try one on at the table. Yeah. And I was pleasantly surprised that it wasn't as heavy as it looked. Uh, also, it wasn't as big, actually, as I expected it to be. It did look like a nice watch. And I don't know what your thoughts were on seeing it, but it it, it wasn't, you know, it was big, but it wasn't um, sort of clown watch, was it? You know, huge. No, no. I mean, I like the look of it. It's too big for me. I think I have quite small wrists. And even the uh, 44 <laughs> is, uh, I have lady wrists. Uh, and even the 44 is... Uh, is big enough. So I think if they did a smaller version, you know, the 44, 45 mil, whatever it is, I'd be happy to buy that one. But 49, definitely too big for me. Yeah, so that's a 49, yeah, it's a 49 mil screen. Um, though the usable space apparently is 45 mil, according to some reviews, but I'm not entirely sure how that works out. I did think it was a much bigger usable space. The design of it's great, the chassis. I had it with the Alpine Loop um, to use at the weekend. Now, you're asking yourself, why did you trade it in? Well, yeah. Two reasons. One, it was quite an expensive piece of kit, and I was kind of thought perhaps, you know, maybe it was overkill for needed. Secondly, I stepped back and I thought, do I need everything on this? Because it's super bright, awesome, great. Well, you know, I can still see my watch in daylight. The dive computer, amazing bit of kit, really amazing. But it seems a bit wasted when I'm in the bath. And then <laughs> the dive, other element. Dive. <laughs> a bit like that, wasn't it? And then the other elements was the siren. And the other morning, I managed to set this. I think it was Sunday morning. I managed to set the siren off in bed whilst trying to snooze the alarm on the watch. Uh, that may have been that may have been the final straw for it. But all in all, it was a great bit of kit. I just felt that I personally wasn't doing it justice. Um, You're not the right demographic. It didn't feel. Yeah, I, I felt I was doing a disservice uh, to the watch. That being said, I think in the future I may consider maybe a Gen 2 version of it. Yeah. Um, and it would be, you know, an, or a brilliant bit of kit. But yeah, fantastic. The Series 8, on the other hand, does exactly everything I want under the tin. And of course, the other purchase I've got as well is the AirPods Pro 2. Yes. Which, to be honest, I think are just incremental versions over that of the, the Series 1 Pros. Now, what I will say is... And I think I mentioned this before. I wouldn't have bought them if I hadn't have lost the case for Series no, no, One. No. They were a forced um, purchase. <laughs> they were a forced purchase, but you know, sound quality is there. I will. They do seem to have a better fit as well uh, in the ears. Okay. I'm not entirely sure. There was some improvements uh, around the um, 
the tips. And I think there were some reviews around that. Um, and it does feel like a better fit. I will also say the spatial audio, there are definitely some improvements there. But I feel that could be software more than anything else. Mm. Um, the other thing I say is battery life is slightly improved. Again, marginally over the the pros that I have previously, you know. But again, I think with the AirPods, we, these aren't like with the phone. This is not evolution. Um, uh, you know, it, it, it's just just incremental. You know, it's just an yeah. update. Did you get um, to try the uh, transparency mode? Obviously, on your trip. Yes. Today? So I did. I had transparency mode on uh, today. Um, and I don't know whether it's because I couldn't test, but I didn't get any, I didn't get the kind of the auto dampening, you know, the bit where if it hears a loud noise. Okay. Yeah. So I need to, I need to, to try that again. Cause I typically have mine on um, noise, ca- noise cancelling as opposed to transparency. Yeah. So it is something I need to think about, but you know, all in all, they are good. And I had a colleague as well who uh, had also bought them and he's come from the standard AirPods. Um, okay, and, so big upgrade was, for him then. For him, he was saying they were really, really impressed. He was super impressed by them. Uh, the the sound quality, the spatial audio, all those bits were, for him were were great improvements over the AirPods uh, standard, if you will. Yeah. So yeah, came definitely. In more colors. Well, if only. Uh, well, the other, of course, the other thing we we should mention, I think we and we have mentioned before, is you can track the case. That hey. is the probably the most important part. <laughs> Which is why you have to buy new ones. <laughs> yeah, though interestingly, my colleague um hasn't got a newer iPhone. So he hasn't got the U1 chip in his iPhone. Oh wow, okay. So he can't find the case. Ah, well, uh yeah, time to buy a new phone. Yeah, exactly what I he could, said. <laughs> I could recommend the recommend the 14 Pro. I That's have exactly Pro what Max he... if you'd like to buy it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he was saying the same so he's like yeah i've got to have an update on my phone so uh which i thought was quite amusing given <laughs> given an expensive uh, you know, month <laughs> all yeah round. all round for it but no all good but you know as as um, as we improve you know go through the improvements here we pick up new things we'll come back and let you know how they are as well so yeah uh, we'll, we'll keep you updated right then let's kick off the main story of the show so carl kick us off then with the big story of the week which is the nvidia rtx 4090 or aka oh, the big yeah. boy <laughs> the big boy. So yeah, they they did release. They released uh, what a forty ninety and two forty eighties. We'll get to in a minute. So it's based on the what their new Ada Lovelace architecture, isn't it? So, and these are some big upgrades. Even just looking at core counts, uh, big brute force updates from uh, the previous generation. I mean, if you you take the top of the previous generation, which is what the thirty ninety Ti, compared to the forty ninety, I'm pretty sure there'll be a new Ti or Titan or whatever coming soon uh another six thousand cores they've added in over the 3090 absolutely uh, nuts. base clock's been ramped up by another 700 megahertz same for the boost uh memory bus the same same 24 gig of ram uh gddr6x isn't it and uh same 21 gig a second of uh bandwidth but uh but surprisingly same wattage they say I will have well, they... some reviews, but they're still <laughs> saying 450 watts, the same as the 3090 Ti. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, so just from a pure brute force, it's got loads more cores, and a lot, those cores are a lot quicker. And obviously, they're newer cores with more oomph anyway. Uh, but then, then this is where it gets slightly weird. So the 4090 is kind of what we expected. They, they then announced two 4080s, not, not a 4080 Ti and a 4080. Two forty eighties, which is which is kind of what was alluded to the other week, wasn't it? That there wasn't, yeah. there didn't appear to be any differentiation in the naming. No, 
One's a 16 gig version and one's a 12 gig, but it's more than just 16 and 12 gig that makes it a difference. So if you take the, the 16 gig, it's got 9,728 cores. If you take the 12 gig version of the same 4080, you only get 7,680 cores. So it's quite a step down. It is. So we're losing, what, uh, nearly 2,000 cores. The, the, the boost clock is, uh, what, 0.1 gigahertz faster, 2.61 versus 251. On, on the 12 gig, it's got the faster boost clock. And then it gets really, really weird, okay? So if you start looking at memory bus bandwidth, so it usually takes the bandwidth for the memory bus. So your 4090 has got the 384-bit uh, bus standard exactly the same as the 3090 ti okay if you look at the 16 gig 4080 they've dropped it to a 256 bit bus yeah but that's only the same as a 3070 because the 3080 got the 384 bit bus so they've dropped the bits of the bus down if you're comparing 30 to 40 and if you jump down to the 12 gig version they've dropped all the way down to a 192 bit bus the same as a 36 version then really isn't it but it's it's not budget when you talk price. This is no, 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 no. But that, when, that you, budget when you look at the this... yeah, yeah, the budget one, when you're the, looking the 30, at spec, yeah, yeah. When you look at spec, that, that's just weird. It's a budget version, but it's still nine hundred dollars. I mean, I'm not entirely sure why they've done it beyond cannibalizing the market for the standard forty eighty. Yeah, uh, or... why don't just call that a forty seventy? Yeah, what exactly? Well, that's yeah, that's what I was just going to say. Why not call it a forty seventy and step then the what would have been the forty seventy down to the forty um, sixty, um, and and drop it off because ultimately you're going to cannibalize any market for the forty uh, the forty eighty. If people are going to say, well, that's does you know it's more of a affordable card, but yeah, what happens then in the future if they bring out a TI version? Then where's that going to sit? Yeah, so what the the forty eighty TI twelve gig? Where does that? Sick compared to the forty eighty yeah. normal normal sixteen. Gig. Yeah, and you mentioned there about the memory speeds as well. That also is weird. How I don't understand how the memory speeds are different across them. Oh, the uh, the the bits. Yeah, the bus yeah. bus work. Yeah, I, I don't just don't. I what I think has probably happened is uh, no one's going to argue in Nvidia, but we're, we're so used to paying a premium now. After the whole COVID supply chain shortages, uh, Ethereum mining, they're like, well, the market's willing to buy them at this price. So maybe we're just charging more for less. I don't think that's going to work for a long time. I think no. given the crypto crash, I think that that's a sales play that will backfire. Yeah, and it's, it just seems a bit last minute because everything we were seeing before had very different numbers and they weren't actually... So I say the leaks were spot on for things like the 4090 yeah. Yeah. and the 4080 16 gig. There was no 4080 12 gig. No. I reckon this is a last minute change to try and capitalize on people paying more. I, I, I think no, you're right. Yeah. They've got the flood yeah. of the market now, haven't they? With people, all the miners flooding the market, second hand market, the price is dropping. They've got excess stock of the 3000 series. Mm. So uh, why not um, make those cheaper? And that's your your bottom half, and only those three come out for now. There's the top end for price. Yeah, I, I I do I do think it's possible that that could be where they're aiming at, and it is it's interesting. I mean, just on a side note, obviously yeah. Intel 
uh, Intel released pricing for the A770 today, didn't they? They um, did. So, you know, obviously that's not competing with these guys whatsoever, no. but I mean, farther but AMD the have got theirs around the corner, haven't they? I think it's, I want to say end of October, start of November. Possibly. The I release of the RDNA 3. So we might see some stuff change from NVIDIA depending on what AMD release. Well, yeah, because Intel's going to, I think Intel's going to take the, the bargain end of the market now because that A770, which is, I think, I think is around a 3060 mark, isn't it? I think from what we talked yeah. about before is, is in the, uh, $300 range, three well, $330. Yeah. So, you know, if you're looking for budget, that could be where people are buying. And if you want top end, well, you're right, AMD here could come in and kind of really they knock NVIDIA off the top here. Given given that the 4090, you know, $1,600, I mean, that's a lot of money. That's, that, that's the US, obviously. We're looking at the UK price, we've got tax on that. And people outside of the US, like the iPhone, are paying a premium on this at the moment. Well, so that, given it's about given also two thousand pounds. Yeah, well, I was just going to say, given the fact that the pound is practically worthless at the minute. I mean, <laughs> you know, but we've yeah. almost. I think we're about to reach dollar parity at this rate. But you know, oh, no. So we obviously, so we've got the forty ninety at sixteen hundred dollars, the forty eighty sixteen gig at twelve hundred dollars, and the twelve gig version at nine hundred. So they are some. Ex- expensive cards and they're not what i hoped i thought they were going to freeze out at the same kind of price and they bought the free three uh, three thousand series out yeah which would have been amazing <sighs> so yeah. where does this leave us then with the 4090 then uh well sorry the 40 series improvements then so what are we seeing then in terms of performance improvements i mean obviously now we know what uh the architectures are um, yeah what, what I mean, obviously, Nvidia have given us some. Well, I say they've given us their view, haven't they, on performance increases? They have, but they're all very shrouded behind their their new tech. So they they have released. Uh, sorry, these new four thousand series have got new ray tracing cores in them. So they started off by saying we're going to get a two to three times increase in ray tracing performance, and they've done this by introducing some new tech called shader execution reordering or SER. And basically, this read kind of reschedules work on the fly. Apparently, given this two to three speed uh, speed up of ray tracing, um, right? They're claiming this is imp- as as important for GPUs as out of order execution was for CPUs. So big claims, big claims. <laughs> yeah, big claims. So yeah, <laughs> but there's obviously this is a this is a firmware or a software thing. Uh, there's more new hardware. So obviously, we've got these improved RT cores. Uh, they're apparently offering two hundred. Uh, teraflops of performance is caused God. two two times the ray triangle sorry let me get this right ray triangle intersection throughput whatever that is it is <laughs> uh there's also two new hardware units in these rt cores so there's one called a new opacity micromap engine which basically speeds up apparently speeds up ray tracing of alpha test geometry by a factor of two times again no idea what alpha test geometry is, so this is above my head. Um, and then there's a, a new micro mesh engine, which again increases geometry richness without the BBH build and storage costs. This is all gibberish to me, but this is it's what just, it's just buzzword bingo. This was, the, this was the consumer announcement they were spilling this one off on. Um, and finally, they, they've chucked the fourth gen tensor core in there. I understand this one. This accelerates AI and machine learning. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I know this one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know that one. And apparently, those will do fourteen hundred teraflops each. My God, I mean, those numbers are just 
you think 10 years ago, anybody who said that kind of speed and performance, you just wouldn't have believed it. In a consumer just, PC. Well, yeah, a very high-end consumer PC. I mean, it's, but... it's, well, no, but, it, yeah, but it's still, you know, money aside, you still could go out and buy one. What I'm saying it's not super Off the shelf in curries. Yeah. yeah. It's not Intel, uh, sorry, it's not, you know, Intel supercomputer that's, you know, hidden away in some national laboratory doing, no, exactly. you know, crunching weather patterns or whatever. This is a graphics card for playing uh, AAA games, you know. Games. Yeah. Which kind of, I guess, is, you know, which is the other point around, you know, as you say, the ray tracing tech is around that the DLSS, which is deep learning, super sampling technology. I knew I'd knock it out of the park with that one. Um, exactly. Which, which is our other kind of frame rate improvements, isn't it? it the is, tech, which, but... which, again, I still think this is black magic for DLSS stuff because the it claims is. that they're making with the RTX on versus off is isn't yeah. just a jump in frame rate. It's almost like it's almost like a hundred percent increase, well, isn't it? It is. So, so they announced what DLSS version three. Okay, uh, we're currently on version two, but they've announced version three. Uh, I think it's exclusive. Well, the most benefit you'll get from the new cards. I'm not sure if it's exclusive to the new. It wasn't entirely clear, but they are promising four times the frame rate increase uh, with the new four thousand series. I think I think it is on exclusive top. to yeah to the yeah. four thousand the forty nineties or the forty eighties. I think from what yeah. I've read. So that 4x frame rate increase is on top of the two to three times increase using the new ray tracing capabilities. And they, they did show a demo, didn't they, of a cyberpunk. Well, of all the games, of, game. oh, I know. of all the games to show, I mean, it's a cyberpunk, which I think to, you know is pretty much the crisis of its day, isn't it? You know, it in is. terms of performance. Uh, but yeah, they had it running at 4K max settings with ray tracing on, but no DLSS. And even the mighty 4090 could only manage 22 frames per second. Yeah. So that's throwing pure grunt at it. Now, switch on DLS3 and boom, 85 frames a second. Which is just, to me, mind-boggling. It's like, yeah. you're, so you're telling me that this high-end card struggles to play this game at native 4K, yep. and then all of a sudden we flick a switch and it's pumping it out at close to 90 frames a second. It's like, what? It, well. it, it's yeah. like some software black magic, isn't it? That's the only it way is. I could kind of think. And they gave some know. reasons for that because a version two of the DLSS uses AI to generate pixels that aren't there. Okay, DLS three will will use AI to create whole new frames, not just parts of frames, the entire new frames. How does <laughs> there was a whole bit on it, but yeah, I was sitting there reading. It. I was like, I can't put this in the podcast because I barely understand this one. It is nuts. I mean, they've got a mini site on there on the on the Nvidia have, web page. Yeah. There's a there's a mini site that you know they call it the performance multiplier powered by AI. And there's yep. a whole like as you say, there's videos there that show the improvements in in it. And then they've got some lovely classic graphs that show you uh, DLSS uh, and then on and off. Um, and I think that out of all the games, and they and you know you may have seen this, I'm sure, but if you if anybody hasn't. Uh, it shows a graph. You've got Microsoft Flight Simulator there. You've got yeah, Unreal got Engine one, demos, yeah. F1. And right at the bottom, you've got Portal. <laughs> but Portal now, of RTX, it's a special build with ray tracing put on, isn't it? It is. But we still are not. We are talking about a game which came out in 2007. Yeah. And they're saying that with DLSS on, you get a 550% gain. On performance. Yeah. I mean, of all the, it's a bit like saying, you know, we can play, we can play Doom on this. It, it plays it at three million frames a second. It's awesome. Um, <laughs> I mean, to me, that, that is with ray tracing on though, because I'm, yeah, true. ray tracing is still ridiculously demanding. So I oh. remember when the uh, was it 
2000 series were the first ones to introduce. It was they RTX, were, yeah. so it brought out ray tracing, didn't it? And you enabled that on games. And even if they were only using ray tracing for the puddles, it tanked your performance. I can't remember which game it had it in. It's one of the FPS ones, wasn't it? Uh, it did. I mean, and I, I had Call of Duty, I want to say. Yeah. Uh, I think it was Call of Duty. I had a look at this earlier, and they had um, a little video on the site of uh, Formula One 22, a 4K. Oh, yeah. Uh, with RT, RT on, but DLSS off, and it was 42 frames a second. And it was all right. It looked nice. And then on the right-hand side, you got RT, RT on, DLSS on, R, which is RTX, basically, isn't it? Yeah. And it's 70... Uh, well, 80, coming down a straight, there must be about 25 cars through a chicane, and it's doing 96 frames a second. Wow. And... It, there's, I mean, I know it's NVIDIA, and I know it's... But there's no you, there's no stutter, there's no lag, you know, which is like when I play... Yeah. It was impressive, but more. I think the one that really caught me was Flight Sim because Flight Sim they did it, and with the lighting effects of the dynamic weather, yeah, glinting off the body of the plane, um, just the shadows. I mean, it, it just looks phenomenal. I really, you know, you can't say anything else. It's just the yeah. only way to describe it. But, but, but I only imagined uh, what was it know. a two hundred percent increase on Flight Sim? It was a yeah, the, it was yeah, the least improvement. But Flight yeah. Sim is a beast of a game. It's a great for me. Yeah, can we get DLS free inside VR and then we can get it on uh, DCS? <laughs> well, the, yeah, DCS the, the game that doesn't support any of those things because no, it doesn't you know, support all, all anything. The engine's all, so old in it. Basically, you need a single core CPU that can run at five gig a set, uh, five gig, five gigahertz. Excuse me. <laughs> You'll be fine anyway. with new AMD processors you're going to buy, won't you? It was. It will be absolutely fine with that. Absolutely fine. But closing out then the the Nvidia stories tonight then Ooh. is probably a slightly negative one then for one of their hardware partners, EVGA, isn't it? Who is well, I I I heard about this the other week, uh, and I, when it was a bit of a rumor, but it turns out then that. EVJ who make cards like MSI and Gigabyte, you know, you buy the 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 cards. Say we're uh, probably one of NVIDIA's biggest partners, if not the biggest so, ball partner. Yes. Yeah, so it turns out then that they are not going to be making any more cards when NVIDIA and they decided no. to break the partnership. Yep, not just the four thousand series. They won't be making any more cards. And NVIDIA cards account for eighty percent of their revenue. Well, so that's a drastic decision to be making. Yeah, and their, their partnership goes back 23 years to the, uh, I think, what was it? The Reba TNT2, TNT yeah, which is... Yeah. Um, but it, I think they've just had enough of, of NVIDIA. I mean, it, they're citing basically a, a complete lack of respect for, from NVIDIA, not just to them, but to board partners in general. And they're even citing things like, you know, one, it's incredibly thin margins. They apparently make 300% more profit selling a power supply than an NVIDIA graphics card. <laughs> I, I'm not surprised by that, are you? Let's yeah, be honest. Not a problem. You know. uh, they're, they're also saying that, that they're not never consulted on new product announcements and briefings beforehand. Uh, not featured at events. It's all about NVIDIA now. It's, they don't have their partners on stage. Um, well, they never do, do they? They just show the reference cards. They do. Uh, we'll come to reference cards in a minute. But they're not, they're not even informed of price changes. Apparently, in fact, I, I, I watched the interview. They're not even told about pricing of new products until they're announced Whoa. to the public. So these guys are sitting there designing cards and creating bit of materials, not knowing the price they'll be able to buy it at. <laughs> How so do you run a business like that? No, <laughs> apparently, some high-end cards they they even make a loss on. God. Yeah, and then finally to get off, Nvidia obviously with the two thousand series, they yeah. introduced the Founders Edition, didn't they? Which are That's reference right, cards. Yep. They now sell and undercut all their partners. 
which I, puzzles the hell out of me. But I suppose it's a bit like it's a bit like Google with the Pixel lineup, isn't it? You've got the reference design you've, that meets all of the specification, and you can sell. And they Google do, don't they? They sell the Pixel phones cheaper than say Samsung do with a high end. I mean, but you're getting. All of the well, same. Samsung you know, can still sell a lower end one. Oh yeah, no, but I, I think chips. the point being is, it, yeah. you know, as an example of a, another reference yep. design. But, but yeah, I mean, I remember when Nvidia launched them. It was weird because it was almost like, well, why would you then want to have an EVGA? Okay, because they overclock it or they've taken the you know dies that yep. you know that are, are running faster and things like that. Um, or they do different memory or cooling, don't they, on them? But ultimately. There really wasn't much improvement, was there? I think in the long run, and especially if you're no. looking at it from a pricing point. Definitely from a pricing point. You know, the founders' editions were always the cheapest. But then, anybody don't have to buy the chips from someone else, do they? They're, they're their own chips. No, no, not at all. Yeah, not so all. I, I don't know what Nvidia's plan is here, but uh, yeah, and you know, we're, we're going to miss EVJ, but somebody else will step in to fill that gap. Well, wasn't what was the thing that also Jensen Hung um, or their Twitter account mentioned this project beyond, wasn't it? This kind of strange new um, uh, project that they're saying is something related to the 40 series, but they haven't given any further details. There's a couple of Twitter posts saying project hashtag project beyond and a lovely little video of like light speeding and stuff. Um, I d- I'm not entirely sure what that alludes to, but unless it could, unless it's perhaps just the, the naming of uh, all the, the, I guess, the concept around the 40 series um but yeah you're right they've still got who they got they've still got msi they've still got gigabyte um who else makes cards for them asus doesn't it zotac and the other people isn't it oh yeah yeah, they've got plenty of hardware partners that i guess can pick up the slack here but yeah it's a shame to see evj leave um given you know they they make good hardware but certainly if you're running a business you've got to think about the the margins and the bottom line haven't you Exactly. And the weird thing is, though, that they're not going to start selling Intel or AMD cards, apparently. They're just out of the graphics card business. Well, like I say, money, isn't it? You, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Fair so enough. We'll, we'll see what happens. They're gonna, yeah, they said they're going to concentrate on things like their power supplies and motherboards and other bits and pieces and upcoming projects we don't know about. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. Right then. So changing tack then, let's swing it the other way and talk about our good friends over at Meta or Facebook, whatever they're called this week then. Dear, oh so dear. We, we talked a little bit about last week, didn't we? About We uh, did. It, it kind of came out just before we went on air last it week. Did, didn't it did, didn't it? And also we were talking about them acting their internal group, which basically does self-regulation. Well, <laughs> if you've been you know, not keeping up with all of the latest updates on Meta or around things, you may be unaware that uh, they got quite upset when Apple introduced uh, new privacy rules back in 2021, which was in iOS uh, 15, wasn't it? Around the ability was. to uh, opt out of all tracking by third-party apps. Um, and also that you know there were rumors that Meta lost it around or in the region of $10 billion of revenue in, during yeah. the last year. So given the fact that Meta's whole business model is around advertising, selling adverts, and generating the data from those adverts, this has probably caused a lot of upset in, the, in that business. And yes. one of the things that they were looking to do was to see how they could circumvent the privacy controls, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. To allow them to track a user through uh, opening apps in, in a browser or a code injection uh, to change yeah. uh, external websites, basically allow you to track anything, including 
passwords without any consent from the user at any point in this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we spoke about it as well. Episode 100, it was a security researcher. Uh, it Felix was, yeah. Krause, wasn't he? So, so yeah, he yes, basically right. found, yeah, he basically found that the Facebook and Instagram, if you click a link, it opens it in an in-app browser, doesn't it? And as you mentioned, it was injecting that JavaScript code into third-party websites, you know. Terrible, uh, so terrible. They could do pretty much anything they want with that. Uh, but so, yeah, uh, obviously he caught them out and now... They have not one but two class action lawsuits in the US. <laughs> yeah. Here's one, them, here's yeah. another. <laughs> exactly, yeah, from different people. And the suit uh, accuses, uh, basically accuses Meta of, uh, what do they say, uh, concealing privacy risks, circumventing iOS user privacy choices, and intercepting, monitoring, and recording all activity in third party websites viewed in the Facebook or Instagram browsers. This, is, say, this includes form entries and screenshots granting Meta a secretive pipeline for its in app browser to access. Uh, you know, P2 data, private health details, text entries, other sets of confidential facts, seemingly without users even knowing their data collection is happening. This could be a very costly uh, case for, for Meta, given the fact that one of the legal teams, isn't it? Um, I think it was it uh, Gerard Sharp, um, yep. LLP, uh, is quoted as saying that they this is an important case and they're wanting to stop Meta getting away with on concealing ongoing privacy invasions. And they also, haven't they, pointed to a previous fine that the FTC investigation resulted, which involved in a fifth, uh, sorry, $5 billion, he said $15, 5000000000 billion fine for Meta. Um, for, oh, that was back uh, in 2020. Yeah, it was 2019, which, but they're referencing that as misde- you know, previous misdeeds and continued, um, well, continued, well, abuse, really? Abuse of it. That's the only way you can describe it, isn't it? Abuse of yeah. abuse of privacy uh, regulations and rules. Um, and you know, and it says here, like you know, uh, merely what was it quoted to say? Merely using an app doesn't give the app company license to look over your shoulder when you click on a link. Well, this is it. You shouldn't. They shouldn't be allowed to monitor it no, because they they, do. you know, do it. Well, Meta obviously disagree with this. Of course uh, they do. They, uh, their statement in typical fashion says, you know, these allegations are without merit and will defend ourselves vigorously. We have carefully designed our in-app browser to respect users' <laughs> privacy choices, including how data may be used for ads. This is this for this sound. That that statement, right, sounds very similar to what we were talking about the weekend when we were talking about the um, uh, was it OneCoin with the uh, Doctor Ruja oh, yeah. uh, Nova, the 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 crypto queen who uh, is uh, allegedly um, well alleged to have stolen several billion dollars worth of money through a cryptocurrency scam and their statement uh, to every journalist is that one coin meets the full definition the legal definition of a cryptocurrency basically you know, like basically the same way meta say that we respect users of privacy it's like stop it's all rubbish. stop stop you're just saying words there you know <laughs> but it, it it i well part of me is like i'm not shocked no, I'm not shocked in the slightest. Ten million dollars to step up and actually slap them hard on this one. Yeah, ten billion dollars is a massive loss to revenue, and given that the whole business model of Facebook is is advertising, isn't it? It's all around data usage. It's it's a data mining company. Despite isn't there some saying about never put all your eggs in one basket. Well, there is that, you know, um, and it's just you know the fact that you're never told about it. There's no information for users to be aware of it. Um, there's no justification that Meta should be not yeah. telling you um, that you're nope. going this way and that you'll be monetized. But as we have said on this show numerous times, if you're getting something for free, you are the product because yeah. Yeah. that is the only way that you'll be monetized because you know, Facebook's free for a reason. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> because you're telling everybody everything about, you know, yeah. 
But I, I, I think you're right. It's about time they got a slap, and it's about time that this could be a incredibly large fine. And given that you know this is a well affecting potentially millions of users, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, you know, we're looking at statutory damages according to the the legal companies here, and they're saying that potentially. Uh, what's it? The, there is an act is that the wire the wiretap act and statutory damages of the CIPA could be up to ten thousand or a hundred dollars per day for each day of violation, um, which is a lot of money. Uh, it says yeah. the court may assess other fines, isn't it? But there is it does say that the lawsuits have said that there is an easy way to stop meta collecting info basically stop clicking on the links and allow them to allow you to copy them into your preferred browser of choice, isn't it? Rather than doing just that, delete Facebook, yeah. Just yeah, just delete Facebook. Yes, I I hundred percent agree with you. They've apparently got two point nine three billion monthly active users. That's down though, surely on on what their high point was though, isn't it? That's I don't yeah possibly that was of as of August this year. Okay, I I think it has been higher, isn't it? I think Facebook at one point had higher than that. Um, was it was it was it what was it daily users, wasn't it? Uh, that was that's monthly. That was two point nine billion monthly. But yeah, all right, okay, interesting. I think it must have come. I'm, I'm sure it must have come down because I know they were talking when they at one point they had like a third of the population. But yeah, there's still a lot of people use Facebook. You know, uh, given given everything about it that I hate, you have to at least pat Zuckerberg on the back for you know a business model that exploded. He has a thick skin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but so would you with that much money. So would you. <laughs> yeah. Okay then. So right. sci-fi then. <laughs> I can't believe no, that we sci-fi. spoke about sci-fi. It's not there. We're not there. We're we not there. What have we missed? No, you've missed the uh, Ofcom. Oh, sorry. Yes. Oh, yeah, Do you know yeah. why? I've got my tabs in the wrong order. It's my fault. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Yeah, before we talk right. about sci-fi, let's talk about Ofcom then. Not not yeah. our, our usual friends at the CMA, but Ofcom no. for a change. No, exactly. So, uh, yeah, Ofcom, again, a UK regulator. Um, they're basically, they've said that they're opening a study into the big free cloud providers, uh, obviously, namely Amazon, Microsoft, Google. And their role in the UK's 15 billion uh, cloud services marketplace. You know? So this is part of a new effort to ensure that digital communication markets are working well for local people and businesses. Uh, but they're not finished there, though. It's not just those three they're looking at. They're also probing uh, messenger and smart. Uh, sorry, the messenger and smart device market. So looking at services like WhatsApp, Zoom, as well as smart speakers. That, you know, um, what else they're looking at? Yeah. But this is so, just to be clear. This this is what they're calling a market study, though, isn't it? As opposed to an investigation. It is. It's not an investigation. It's, it's they're doing their due diligence potentially before they launch one, uh, and it could be Ofcom themselves. You know, they could hand it over to the CMA, or it could be go through Parliament for n- new laws to restrict and regulations. This, uh, yeah, and regulations. Yeah. So um, yeah. I- I think this, as I say, from, from what I read about this, understood it. You're right. I think it's it's a it's a view on the market, how it works today, isn't it? How the digital service market works today, yeah. how will it develop in the future? And as you say, if if the regulation needs to be brought in, what competition issues could there be or concerns? Um, and I I suppose also there are some of these areas is around maturity of these markets, isn't it? Because yeah. digital services, cloud services, you know, is exploded over the last few years. We're seeing a massive increase in those services businesses. Smart messaging, smart speakers, I guess, you know, is an interesting one. I suppose regulation yep. there is a curious one. Um, but yeah, it's it's a bit of a, a bit of a new area for a lot of governments, isn't it? And 
for them, regulation's key, but I suppose, dare I say it, tax monetization, you know, how can they recoup something yeah. on them as well, isn't it? There is some money and, at the moment in the UK. Yeah. And also the oversight, I suppose, from a government perspective, isn't it, on what goes on on these services and whether or not, you know, they people are getting access to them. But I, I think it's good. It'd be interesting to see what the outcome of this paper will be. I'm sure it'll be published uh, as, yeah. a, as an open paper. Um, given, you know, they're looking, you say, you know, Things like those smart speakers, I think I think they mentioned also uh, connected TVs, they called it. Yeah. Because yeah. accessing traditional services around, you know, what would have once been terrestrial TV and radio um, content. So, yeah, I'd be, I think, you know, what we could we could see here is actually a, a really detailed view on digital life in, in the UK today. I think it's probably a good way to look yeah. at it. Yeah, because um, they are looking at things like consumer behaviour, yeah. as well as the things like, I know they mentioned uh, communication apps like WhatsApp, Facebook, Zoom. Uh, but looking, looking at the effect that has on traditional calling and messaging, along with uh, interoperability between these services. That's right. And I think, you know, one of the things that the the, um, the analysts that they're looking at this are saying that, you know, it's around also the public appetite, isn't it? Today? So, you know, people buy smart speakers, whether it's your series, whether it's Yep. be your uh, the other a word that comes from a certain other manufacturer sorry uh or google or any of those other you know so people you know we, lots of people got them in their homes today connected yeah. services you know as, as we just said connected tvs you know we've got the messaging apps whether it be um sorry messaging as well but not just the messaging apps things like the was it the facebook portal uh the yeah. alexas that have got the echo uh, uh with the screens on and you know, the, oh, yeah oh yeah more far more to it today than just you know, internet connected TV. It's you know, our households today are full of IoT. I have got a huge problem with everything being connected to the internet. If I'm honest with you, um, you know, my my question to her usually is, do you need to plug that in? Um, yeah, <laughs> and you know, there is a thing to that. And on a side of weird tangent, uh, I can't explain who I spoke to and what I saw, but I was uh, party to a conversation yesterday evening that talked around. Uh, space and uh, in the UK yeah. and from a military perspective and uh, the thoughts of a low-level uh, EMP blast due to nuclear conflict and how that basically would resort us back to the Stone Age uh, or, or in the terms yeah. of military we'd be back to World War II style um, uh, military yeah but from a public from a personal and public perspective it would be like you know uh, you'd be you'd be heading into 1950s uh, era of communication so yeah, we do live in a we do live in a time where the internet rules everything and everything is connected to the internet. So yeah, I think Ofcom it'd be interesting to see what they come up with here and what their findings are for the markets themselves. Yeah. Um, competition, yeah. Well, we know we know what competition's like. I think that's yeah. uh, a given. Interoperability. <laughs> that's probably yeah. a bigger question. Definitely, definitely. Right. So. As I got it around the wrong way, I'll let you so pick I up sci-fi then. <laughs> right, so yeah, we, we did mention this last week, and I have to say a new story came up, which was quite interesting, so I thought I'd add it in. Uh, but recently, uh, Google and sci-fi, uh, uh, so they gave an interesting talk at uh, this year's AI Hardware Summit about how they've worked together on new chips for AI machine learning workloads in, in Google's data centers. Uh, so they're basically combining uh, size fives, um, they call their intelligence X280 chip, yeah, which is a bunch of risk cores in a chip. Uh, and they combine this with Google's MXUs, uh, again, which are a collection of those tensor processing units for AI acceleration. Uh, yeah, so basically the X280 now is sitting as a front end for these uh, tensor processing units and 
feeding it workloads and optimizing it, uh, but also adding extra bits and pieces in. So uh, they've added things like uh, vector maths units, so it can all be done on one chip. And you can build up these uh, complicated systems for this processing without going anywhere else. Uh, so it was all very interesting. But I say it was just yeah, just to see sci-fi pop up in the news again. I I did I thought it was timing was everything here with them. Yeah, it was. Uh, you know, I thought, yeah, clearly clearly we must have had a premonition about what was coming here with sci-fi <laughs> and risk. Yeah. Uh, but you know, no, I was I got impressed. I I have to be honest with you, I didn't realize they were as heavily used by Google in their data centers. It was something that was new to me. Um, no, me AI too. Piece. So they're kind of getting everywhere. But said it's uh, so sci-fi of like ARM, they produce chip designs. But, you know, RISC-V itself is an open source. Anyone can go and design it. They don't have to pay for a, a license if you're going to No, and stuff. getting somebody like Google to, to take it more mainstream, you know, that yeah. could lead to other other hyperscalers probably looking to do it. I know that, I mean, um, AWS... I've got a big, you know, there's a big project to see where they can run stuff there, ARM as well. Uh, I think Azure are already starting to run some ARM hosts as well mm. um, on Azure. So, you know, it is moving that way. So, yeah, it, yeah. definitely sci-fi are in a good position to do that. Um, and, and you know, given, as you say, the open nature of, of the RISC-V yeah. thing, you know, it, there's more scope here for development than you have with a licensed, a licensed product like ARM. But yeah, ARM's yeah. not going anywhere just yet. But I, of course I would not, imagine no. this. I'd imagine it probably though does make a a bit of a worry given uh, given that obviously they're looking to float. And I did see today that they have Ooh, so uh, a high new... CFO. Of yeah, who did he come from? Um, Splunk. Re- Splunk. That was it. Yeah. Yeah, so they've, they have picked up a new CFO uh, called uh, Jason Child, uh, who recently was a senior VP and CFO at Splunk. He joined them in 2019. Um, prior to that, he's been a CFO at several other large companies as well. Um, and the reason I think they've picked him up uh, is that the CEO, uh, Rene Haas, uh, has said that uh, he's quoted as saying that Child has extensive experience in financial management of public companies and IPO execution. Yeah. So, yeah, there you go. There you go. Cool. Well, I think, Carl, it is time for... The Tech Rant Rumour Mill, which has had a bit of a break for the last few weeks, hasn't it? It has. Well, we've been talking about the actual rumours that are real life, haven't we? we uh, But... Back, back with uh, you know increasing demand. Uh, the yep. rumor mill is back this week, and we have got a rumor regarding then the the October Apple event then that may oh, or may yeah. not happen then. But According that's it. So to it's the German, isn't it? German, He's yeah. Saying, potentially, there is no event because there isn't enough news in it to have an event, so they may just do a kind of news release. But I don't know. Looking over what he says is going to come, I think that's worthwhile of an event here well he's saying we're going to get what uh, an 11 inch ipad pro with m2 12.9 inch pro with m2 and the, the new original ipad is going to be redesigned isn't it um yeah he says we're getting a mac mini refresh with uh m2 and or even potentially m2 pro chips and two new MacBook Pros, uh, 14 and 16 inch, again, M2 Pro and M2 Max. I don't know, a lot of new hardware, but not a lot's changed. So maybe, maybe not an event then? No, and I'd see to me though, I can't see Apple missing up a chance to talk about the Pro and the Max M2 chips to talk about how much faster yeah. they are than the last generation. And uh, you're yeah. right, there's no hardware design changes in the MacBook. Well, other than the new, new original iPad. But yeah, the new original iPad, potentially a Mac Mini refresh again, but 
again, you could lump that together with the pros and the M2 and the pro chips. Yeah. But normally they'd want to shout about those pro, those pro and M max chips. Um, potentially the new generation iPads, he says that, you know, are coming. Uh, yeah. Uh, what we're going to, we're not going to see any redesigns on them because we know no. they get an M2. They've already got USB-C. They've already got the OLED retina screens on them. So yep. again, you're right. There's nothing going to really change there, but I, I don't know. I, I, to me, it seems a bit odd. I, I can't. I can see them doing it, but not the full on forty five. I see forty five minute, you know, short yeah. ones. If it'd be a Mac they... Pro, there, hundred percent would have an event. Yeah, but that, that's that's like putting man on Mars. That's not going to happen. <laughs> I don't ABC. know when that's coming. Um, the only thing I will say though is they haven't dropped OS Venturi yet, so they might. That might brought with it. Oh but... yeah, they might might have that as an event for that. Yeah. Though talking around software updates and again this isn't a rumor but it's related the the fact that stage manager now works on non-m1 powered ios device ipads well it always did because it worked on the a14 uh, iPad <laughs> i know it, but it? yeah uh, but, but that's not what they said that's not <laughs> what they it? said yeah <laughs> talk about u-term so i mean yeah so the news out today is that stage manager now works on the previous generation third generation third and fourth generation ipad pros so that's the a12x and the a12z chips yeah, 2018 or, and then forward isn't from, it yeah yeah which is includes the one i've got the only thing it doesn't not the one i've is, got no, <laughs> the only thing it doesn't support is um, external stage manager with an external screen, so it doesn't yeah. work on the non M one, uh, which I kind of get because the you know the 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 bus on it and the bandwidth probably. Yeah. But the fact that that's a U turn though, given I know you're right, you're saying it did work, but given the press and how they described it, that was not how it was described at all, was it? So no, no, it's not. Um, but. I don't know. I, I I get what Gerber's saying here. I just don't see them. Given the fact of what they've got in the lineup, why would they miss the opportunity to shout how fast those chips are in their classic, classic, uh, you know, exponential curve uh, PowerPoints, you know? True. But if they're going to have another big event in January, we've got a lot of big events all in one go. Yeah, but don't forget, they won't want to lump together a bunch of iPads and no. MacBooks if they're dropping a VR, AR, VR headset. Yeah, that's true. Uh, the video crew and the CGI people are going to be busy. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. But uh, yeah, as the rumors develop there, we will give you the latest updates on it. But uh, I am pleased to see the welcome return of the Tech Grant Rumor Mill. So then, I think that's probably a good place to draw tonight's episode to a close. We'll be back next week, as always, for episode 106. And of course, please leave us a comment, a like, tell your friends about us, and you can find us of course, on Twitter at Weekly Tech Rant, at techrant.online for all of our show notes, information. Um, and of course, wherever you get your podcast from, wherever you're listening to this now, tell your friends about it, share it. You know, of course, we reckon that's the only way for you to tell, you know, get more people listening. So a special shout out, of course, to our, our favorite listeners of Ones Down Under and the, over in the German market who have uh, dropped me a line recently. Thank you for staying with us and uh, subscribing. And I've been Jay. I've been Carl. Have a good evening, all. <laughs>